This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Let's wrap up the show by talking to the Chief Medical Officer for Team South Africa for the Tokyo Games. And Dr. Zondi, Dr. Pato Zondi joins us on the line. Doc, good evening and thank you for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Good evening, Tavitan. Good evening to all the listeners. Thank you. We've been building up to the Olympics for the past couple of weeks or months, and uh, we're just bringing different voices, uh, athletes and uh, managers and all of that. But we want to find out from you now with the playbook that is out, Doc. What are the do's and don'ts for the athletes? But firstly, how challenging has it been in these days of COVID to prepare the athletes for these games? I probably wouldn't even be able to begin to describe the challenges <laughs> that we've had to encounter, um, not just as, as medical personnel that are supporting athletes, um, but certainly, I mean, the IOC itself and, of course, the Japanese government in, in putting together guidelines that will assure participants that we will have a safe game. Obviously, the athletes have had to just navigate um, numerous challenges um, in just training, in qualifying, and then remaining healthy to actually go and compete. So it has. It's been a mammoth task, but um, we're here now. We're counting down, and we're hopeful that the games will go ahead and, more importantly, that they'll be safe for all of us. Do you welcome government's commitment that all athletes will be vaccinated? I think it's important that athletes be given a choice um, should the vaccines become available uh, mm-hmm. so that it, it's just an extra measure really and an extra tool in, in a whole host of tools or toolkits that can be used to ensure safety at the Games of the athletes themselves, of fellow participants and of course of the people of Japan. Yeah. And talking about the tools, I've, I, I saw the playbook the other day. I had to download it and print it and I saw that the work has to start even before our athletes leave for Tokyo. What do they need to do before departure? That's right. You're, you're very right. It's a very comprehensive document that the IOC and, and Japanese government have put together in the playbook. And as you've said, it outlines really the, the rules that must be followed, the responsibilities that participants must take to ensure that they remain safe and that everyone else remains safe. So 14 days before is when the journey officially starts. And essentially from this time, we need to be really sure that the athletes are firstly, um, isolating as much as possible, that they are reporting or monitoring rather than reporting symptoms. So we're going to be tracking them um, officially and formally on the sort of Tokyo and Japanese tracking apps from about 14 days. Um, Leading up to then closer to the time of departure, they need to have two uh, PCR tests conducted within 96 hours of departure, um, with one taken 72 hours before their flight. When they get to Japan, assuming that both of these tests are negative and they mm-hmm. remain asymptomatic, there's another series of tests that need to happen at the airport before they go to customs. Um, and so it will continue throughout the games. During the games, um, everyone will be tested daily for um, COVID. And of course, testing is just, again, one of many measures. But just to, it's a good way to demonstrate sort of the uh, intensity of uh, protocol that has been put in place to try and be proactive about getting asymptomatic cases and to manage what is a very difficult situation. And I saw in, in that playbook that from the airport, it's straight to the village, no hanging around the airport, no going to the shops, nowhere. Yeah, Tabi, so it's going to be a very different game in that way. So to, to some extent, I feel very sorry for those people who have been to Olympic Games because they need to change their expectations of what, yeah. what, what it will be like. But yes, one of the very clear rules in the playbook is that um, all participants, are restricted in where they can move while they're in Japan. So they really, we can only move from the Olympic Village to training venues to competition venues, only using official um, Olympic transport. So there is no tourism when we get to Japan. There's no, you know, time out and going to visit the local sort of Japanese gardens or tourist sites or restaurants. 
Um, and that's, again, for the athlete's safety, but also very importantly for the people of Japan. The other one that they stress is personal hygiene. It seems like it's a big priority from what I saw. What will be required from the athletes when they are there now? Absolutely. So very much the same as we have been emphasizing in our own um, country in terms of national policies. So hygiene becomes really important. You know, the regular hand washing, the wearing of a face mask being compulsory at all times, of course, like, unless competing, um, avoiding shade equipment, uh, good cough hygiene. Uh, are, are really the main principles around hygiene. And then, of course, the phys- minimizing physical interaction and, and that physical distance um, must be maintained. And then what happens if there's a positive case? Again, uh, something that has been detailed to a great extent. So as I said, we'll be testing daily, mm. um, and it'll be salivary antigen testing. So that's the rapid testing that'll take place. Mm. If a test comes back positive, um, the athlete will immediately be isolated, uh, in a specific sort of fever clinic, depending on obviously where they get the test, fever clinic, we will repeat a PCR test, which is obviously the gold standard and the more uh, specific test. If that test is positive, then they will be isolated in a specific sort of COVID area that is yet to be confirmed. Um, but in Japan, the athletes, uh, right now the protocol says they will have to remain in isolation for 10 days before they are retested. Um, and then can only be cleared, obviously, with a negative test. And another important you know, aspect to obviously just mention, if, a, if an athlete does test positive that second time, then that contact tracing becomes really important to ensure that um, anyone with a close contact is also tracked, tested, and isolated if necessary. And I've been to the Olympic Games. I was in Rio in 2016. I had a, a chance to just kind of look at the village and see what they do there. Mm-hmm. There is so much that happens in the village. They've got a church. They've got a mosque. They've got every single thing. And they always hang around together playing games. So I guess it won't be the same village now. Oh, it will be a very different different village. Historically, as you've said, a very vibrant, interactive, mm. lively and engaging place to be. A really incredible experience for athletes and personnel alike. But of course, um, because we want the game to continue and we're mindful of the circumstances under which we want them to continue, all of that will have to be revisited and, and certainly much of it will be taken away. So there will be um, limited engagement of athletes with each other. So those activities that encourage interaction and engagement will have to be relooked. Um, and many of them won't be offered uh, as, a, as a safety measure. Um, but of course, you know, they also, the, the, the IOC does want there to be an experience. And so they will obviously um, consider what they can put in place um, that will be safe and that will still allow some kind of Olympic experience without compromising individual safety and certainly um, group safety. Okay. We spoke about the vaccines earlier on and you said that they have a choice. There's a question here that, that's asking then, is it a must to, be, is, does it mean it's not a must to be vaccinated before the athletes go to the Games? No. Um, I can make that very clear. The IOC, we had a briefing meeting as um, COVID liaison officers uh, just this week. And again, uh, there was a reiteration that it is not a participation criteria that stakeholders get a vaccination in order to enter Japan or participate in the game. That said, the IOC does encourage um, governments and national Olympic committees to make available the vaccines for those participants who would like to um, get a vaccine. And of course, they are aiming at a certain vaccination threshold. So they are aiming at vaccinating at least 75 to 80% of the participants, if possible. Um, And that's just from obviously collecting some data and stats and experience um, accumulated from experts globally um, that would satisfy them that they have reached a safe level of vaccination to, again, reach an extra level of risk mitigation. Mm. And for the Paralympics, are are the guidelines out yet? 
the Paralympics and the Olympic um, committees are working side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, so the playbook that we are discussing uh. applies very much to the Paralympics as well. Of course, there are different um, considerations. So as an example, where we speak about phys- minimizing physical interactions, we're aware that some Paralympians need assistance, whether it's wheelchair assistance or otherwise. And obviously that means that they will be in closer contact with certain um, individuals who are assisting them. And, and there have been uh, specific provisions and guidelines made for those circumstances. But fundamentally, the principles, the principles, I beg your pardon, remain exactly the same. And the same playbook is being used for the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games. And then as we wrap up, Doc, the other um, thing that I noted was that it says each international delegation must have a go-to COVID-19 related affairs. Is, does it mean it has to be a doctor or it can be somebody else? No, not at all. Um, in the case of Team South Africa, I have been nominated as the COVID liaison officer. So it is a doctor. Um, well, in our case it is, um, but it's a very admin-heavy sort of role as well. And so what we've decided to do is we've also got a firstly somebody who's assisting with, with this, who happens to be a doctor as well, mm. um, but then also um, somebody from the SIPOC office who's really an administrator who will make sure that much of the paperwork gets done and the following up, uh. so that while I'm there, I can still do what I'm primarily there to do, which is the medicine doctor um, responsibilities. Okay, no, great stuff, Doc. I'm sure we'll chat to you closer uh, to the games then because at this stage it looks like they are going ahead. But thank you for the update and just for giving us some insight. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you, Dr. Pato is the Chief Medical Officer for Team South Africa at the Tokyo Games. That's the 2020 Tokyo Games. They still call it the 2020 because they were postponed from last year.